Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Chuck Swirsky on 670 The Score. Left corner, Levine for three. Got it! Kobe lets it go. Top side three. Yes! Big time shot, Kobe White. Foul line right tempo. Got it! Bulls take the lead. Rebounded by Williams, leading the break for the Bulls. Line to the lane. All the way to the rim with a left-handed dunk. Going coast to coast. Patrick Williams, right corner, Morgan in. Rainbow three. Bam! Right in the grill of Willie Cauley's side. Ball game over. Bulls win. Bulls win. Bulls win. What a ball game for the Chicago Bulls. Chuck Swirsky. Put him in the Hall of Fame. Put him in the Hall. On 670 The Score. Always a pleasure. Thank you so much for having the dial set. 670 The Score. Mike Rankin has put together a fabulous program tonight. Mike, I, I got to give you props. You worked in Willie Cauley-Stein in the first two minutes of a show? Are you kidding me? Somewhere, Willie Cauley-Stein's family, they're celebrating. Because that's like the only 10 seconds he gets. Unbelievable. But anyway, we've got uh, a great show. We're going to talk hoops. We're talking football. We're talking baseball. Uh, you know, we could, we could go to a lot of different directions. Number one, we should be at the United Center tonight, but obviously... The game with uh, Memphis was postponed. We don't have a date yet. Bulls have a couple of postponements with Memphis and Boston, respectively. So we've got uh, Bulls ball coming up on Saturday, and that will take place at 7 o'clock, 645, right here on 670, the score against Portland. But first things first, I want to talk a little about sports talk radio. Can I do that for a moment? So when Mitch Mitch Rosen, uh, who I love, the czar, of the uh, 670, the score. And so he says, Chuck, listen, you know what? You're not doing the game Wednesday. So why don't you just give Ann, my beautiful wife, a night off and come in and do the uh, show? And I said, but, you know, we, we found kind of like a little niche. We're watching Netflix all the time. In fact, um, Mike, have you heard of this show called Bridgerton? Bridgerton? Uh, yes. I have not. We, we just finished it. Do you realize it's Netflix says that Bridgerton is its biggest series ever. It was watched by 82 million households around the world within its first 28 days, and they have 63 million households 
watch this show. Eight eight episodes. This is a Netflix original, or is yes. It, oh wow, yeah. Now that's an achievement right there. And and the show hit the top ten in every country except Japan, and was number one in eighty three countries. So we we've been watching this for the last maybe four or five days, and there's a lot of romance, like a lot of romance, and it gets a little steamy. So little, you know, I'm going to be honest about this. So I said, okay, like we're going to finish this series. I'm locking into the uh, talk show tonight on 670 The Score. And so it's time to get focused. Now, for a long time, because I've been doing Bulls ball for 13 years. Prior to that, I did 10 years in Toronto. But I also did a one-to-four show on the Fan 590 in Toronto. And prior to that, WJR in Detroit, big 50,000-watt station with the University of Michigan, and then WGN, where we did sports talk as well. But my first job in Chicago was the old WCFL. And I got this job at WCFL at the age of 25. Here's what happened. I'm doing sports talk radio in Columbus, Ohio, at WBNS Radio, 1460. And the show went from 7 to 11 every night. And so one night in July, I get a call 30 minutes before I'm on the air. If you're following me, 30 minutes before I'm on the air, and I get a a call, and a guy goes, hey, my name is Norm something, and I am a headhunter for a 50,000-watt station in the Midwest, and your name has surfaced, and we need an air check tonight. This is 30 minutes before my broadcast on WBNS. I thought it was a practical joke. It was a prank, and I hung up on him. I thought it was a friend. He calls back. I'm in the newsroom because in those days, we didn't have cubicles. We didn't have nothing. It was just the newsroom where like 10 people had like three chairs. So he calls and says, don't do that again. I said, oh. He goes, I want a cassette. A lot of people are saying, Chuck, what's a cassette? Google it. It's a cassette. It's a tape recorder. You put a cassette in a tape recorder. He said, I want you to record all four hours. I said, what? You want all four hours? I don't even know where a cassette is. Find a cassette. We need it. And so I taped the show. And they called back and said, okay, you made the finals. We will let you know within the next week. Okay, good enough. I didn't even know what station they're talking about. I get a call about three or four days later, and they said, we're starting a new format in Chicago, WCFL. It's a 50,000-watt station, and it's going to be a little different because it's not going to be your typical, let's talk Bears, let's talk Sox, Cubs, Blackhawks, Bulls. We want to change the lifestyle of Chicago. I said, what do you mean change your lifestyle of Chicago? And they said, well, we want to talk hunting for 15 minutes. We want to talk rowing for 15 minutes. We want people to change their lifestyle. I said, well, what happens if people don't want to change their lifestyle? Maybe they like the Bulls and the Cubs and the Sox and the Bears and the Blackhawks. And he said, well, come in for an interview. And so what happened, this true story, so the Big Ten would hold their preseason luncheon at the Palmer House in Chicago. 
WBNS at the time was owned by the Wolf family, and they happened to own WBNS-TV and radio in Columbus and also the newspaper, the Columbus Dispatch. That morning, I boarded a charter flight, little six-seater with others. We flew into Chicago during the luncheon at the Big Ten Conference preseason tournament, so to speak, getting ready for all the you know football games. I left the banquet room and went to Marina Towers and interviewed for the job. It lasted all of 10 minutes. They didn't even miss me at the table uh, for the uh, Columbus gathering. So I interviewed for 10 minutes. I thought I had no chance, none. The guy goes, okay, like, we'll call you if we're interested. Fine. You know what? I have a good job in Columbus. It's all good. I was a little intimidated. So five about five days later, I get a call, and they said, hey, congratulations, you have been selected. And I said, terrific, when do I start? You need to be in Chicago in 48 hours. What? 48 hours? I got to tell my boss. I have an apartment. I got I to pack. Well, if you want this job, you're going to be here. So that's how I ended up in Chicago. We, we trained for one week. At WCFL, they did not want us to call them WCFL. It was now the Mutual Broadcasting System, Mutual CFL, because they went radical from rock and roll to news talk. And we trained for a week. My first night on the air, August 27th, 1979. 30 minutes before we were on the air, my engineer, Ed Murphy, the late, great Ed Murphy, comes to me in the newsroom and he drops this probably maybe 10, 11 pages, a tablet of paper right on my lap. And he said, kid, good luck tonight. Now I was already nervous. And so I'm flipping through the pages. They were all white, like blank, completely blank. I said, what is this? He goes, this is your radio log. Now radio log is where, like Mike Rankin is sitting across from me in the studio, he knows when time commercials should be played, so on and so forth. We didn't have any commercials. We didn't have any PSAs. We had nothing. I said, Ed, what is this? He goes, Chuck, do you realize you've just joined the lowest rated station in American broadcast history? (laughs) I went, what? He goes, yeah. He goes, we don't have any listeners, so we don't have any commercials. In fact, we don't have any listeners or commercials, and you're on in 15 minutes. So now I am, like, just freaking out. Number one, I'm already intimidated. I'm 25 years old, a young 25. I know no one in the city. And so I'm going on the air, and I'm talking to myself for two hours, begging for calls. In the meantime, peppered with, uh, let's talk about Ducks Unlimited, Ducks Unlimited. I've never heard of Ducks Unlimited. So for two hours, finally, because we had a low budget, we didn't have a producer. We had an engineer and me. That was it. And you can verify this because Bernie Tafoya, who works at our sister station, WBBM, was a member of our mutual CFL staff. So we get a call, and I am so thrilled And it was the wrong number, and I kept her on the line for 20 minutes. We had one other call in that four-hour frame, and that was for uh, takeout. And so we got into a discussion about takeout. 
But that's a true story. As it turns out, it worked out. And, um, you know, we were the only sports talk show in town. And finally, uh, the late Orrin McDaniels, who just passed away a few months ago, he was the general manager of the radio station. I walked in about maybe three or four months later and said, this format is not working. Can you just, like, you know, take the collar off and let me run with the Bulls and the Blackhawks and the Sox and Cubs and Bears? He goes, go for it. And that's exactly what happened. And I will say this. There was a radio TV critic in town. He wrote for the Sun-Times. His name is Gary Deeb. And Gary also worked for Channel 7 doing some TV commentary as well. Gary saved my career because he saw what was happening at the station in the market with sports talk, and he became a huge advocate. And I will never, ever forget uh, forget him because he definitely helped with some really good columns, and he was very impactful. So after that, I was doing sports talk, and then I went to the loop with Steve Dahl, Gary Meyer, did morning drive, afternoon drive, uh, did a Sunday night sports talk show. We had the uh, talk show from bars. We took our show on the road. We did a show from the Thirsty Whale. I don't even know if they're still around. We did one from, uh, let's see, the Thirsty Whale. We did one from Buffoons. And it was quite the show. We have live audience. It was a lot of fun. And then GN picked up the phone in late 81, and I was there. And the first um, job I had was to co-host and produce with Jack Brickhouse on a program called Sports Central. So that's a little bit of what happened in Chicago regarding Sports Talk Radio. And we're going to have fun tonight. We want to obviously hear from you. We've got a lot of great guests that Mike Rankin has put together. And I sincerely appreciate you sticking around until 9 o'clock tonight. So we're going to take a break right here on 670 The Score. In a moment, we're going to hear from Bob Nightingale, who does an incredible job. He's our Intercom Sports Insider. And Bob knows baseball. And when I say he knows baseball, he knows baseball. And spring training, hopefully, is just around the corner. We'll talk to him about that in a moment. But right now, let's take a break. You're listening to 670 The Score, 614. This is Chuck Swirsky. In terms of the DH, obviously, there's some great DHs on the market. Uh, Nelson Cruz being the best one. He's got that one-year offer from the Twins, which they upgraded. They want to bring him back. But, um, you know, I, he's a great fit for the White Sox. And uh, to, to steal somebody from the Twins... Uh, would be huge because, to me, those are the two favorites in that division. And I think to everybody, I mean, they're both very good teams. Um, so I think that would be a big move for the White Sox. The White Sox have already done a lot. Um, they've improved more than just about anybody. Obviously, the Padres and the Blue Jays have done a lot as well. Those are the three winners of this offseason, as we mentioned on Big Time Baseball Podcast. But I do think uh, Nelson Cruz would be a great fit for the uh, for the White Sox. All right, that's uh, John Haven with Mullion Hall right here on 670 The Score. Our phone hotline brought to you by Al Pomonte Nissan. Al Pomonte Nissan in Melrose Park on North Avenue or apnissan.com. Chuck Swirsky filling in tonight until 9 o'clock. And joining us, Bob Nightingale, Intercom Sports Insider. And Bob knows baseball as well as anyone, period. And, Bob, you just heard John talk about the White Sox. Um, Perhaps Cruz, maybe not, but... We'll find out. What do you think of that notion that uh, Cruz could flip the switch and 
become a member of the South Side. I think there's a better chance, Chuck, of you and I hitting DH for the White Sox. <laughs> there's no way that's happening. The White Sox are topped out with money, so no, they're uh, yeah, that's not even on the on the radar at all. I mean, you know, it, it, you know, obviously he'll help any team as a DH, but he's going to return to Minnesota. Uh, there's just not a market really for him. Uh, Minnesota likes him. He likes Minnesota. So I'd be stunned to see him, you know, anywhere else. And I think there, there's zero chance he signs with the White Sox. Good enough. So let me let me just ask you this then, Bob. Talking about Minnesota, since we're on the subject of Twins White Sox, and then we'll move on to other Major League Baseball stories. Is there a, 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 a gap between the two or going into the season? Could you see the White Sox winning by a few games or Minnesota winning by a few games or right now going in to the 2021 campaign are the White Sox a you know clearly the favorite? I think the White Sox are the uh, favorite. I'm not saying overwhelming favorite because of what Minnesota has been doing, but it's really the favorite. You know, I wouldn't say by you know three, four, you know five game you know type of favorite, uh, but not like a you know ten or fifteen games or something like that. That things just love to go right for the White Sox. Things have to go right for the Twins too. But I, I do think the uh, on paper, White Sox are are, are clearly the clearly the best team. But they flip flopped and the uh, Twins won the division. and White Sox were uh, a wild card. You know, I don't think it would stun anybody. No. So if, if that's the case, then with the White Sox and Minnesota won one A, however you want to frame it, let's talk about what's going on in the uh, NL Central then with the Cubs, because I'm looking at what teams have done or haven't done in the case of the Central, and obviously the Cubs, I don't want to say they're in a rebuild, but you know they're going to lose some players, obviously, and they have lost players. They could lose another player or two in trades. So going in right now, if the season started today, how would you look at the NL Central? It's just a, a wide-open jigsaw puzzle. I mean, uh, let's look this up. This whole, uh, in the entire winter of free agency, the entire NL Central has only spent $3.7 million. I think the oddsmakers have the Reds as a favorite and then let a, a, a few guys go, you know, including their closer and, you know, Bauer well, uh, certainly isn't coming back. Uh, so the Cubs could get the last laugh in this thing. They could rebuild and, you know, they are, you can call it what you want, but certainly a, a big time remodeling if you don't want to say rebuild. They could still win the division or at least be competitive until late September. Because I think it's only going to take, you know, 83, 84, 85 wins to win the division. Uh, so it's just, you know, it's the weakest division in baseball. It, it truly is. No question about it. So uh, the Cubs, if you, if you go into the season and you're a Cubs fan, are you saying to yourself, okay, we're, we're really not going to compete with Milwaukee, St. Louis, Cincinnati because we're going to win this division. But then you look at the Dodgers, you look at Washington, you look at what the Mets are trying to do and other ball clubs, including Philadelphia. So where, where do you think this is all going in terms of the Cubs? Well, yeah, I mean, they want to rebuild this thing and do it right. I mean, Chris Bryant's being shopped everywhere. Uh, they've told all the teams, Wilson Contreras is available. Uh, so, you know, they want to get some nice young talent in there. And they're in the right division where I think they can be competitive and, uh, you know, and then maybe within a couple of years, you know, go after them again and try to, you know, get the little rain they had, you know, with the uh, being the playoffs every year and, of course, with the uh, the World Series title. So, uh, you know, they're, I think they're in, in good shape. The only trouble is, uh, 
you know, with, with these contracts and stuff, like Bryant's very hard to move. People don't want to pay $19.5 million uh, for that. You know, uh, you know who know, Baez? I don't know what they're going to do with Baez. You know, can they really re-sign him? You know, Rizzo's going to be a free agent. You know, I'm not sure, you know, they're, they're going to do a uh, extension there as well, you know, the way they let John Lester go. But, 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 but Bob, when you say you, they don't want to pay $19 million for Bryant, I mean, he's still, uh, I mean, he's an elite player in Major League Baseball. I mean, we're not talking about a guy that's just a, a journeyman or an above-average player. I mean, good players are going to make money. You're right, Chuck, but you know, look at it this way. They have not, everybody knows in baseball they're trying to unload them, and they have not been able to do that. I mean, they're going to have to eat some of that contract to be traded. People are looking at, hey, we all know what he's capable of doing and what he's done, but they're saying, okay, what has he done lately? He's been injured a lot. Can he play every day at third base? So uh, a lot of questions, and, and you know, if he still had that same kind of marketability, he would have been traded by now. But, but people are, teams are leery. Bob Nightingale, Intercom Sports Insider, joining us on 670 The Score in Chicago. This is Chuck Swirsky. And, you know what, Bob, this is the first time we've really had a chance to speak because, um, you know, I read you, obviously. You break stories on Twitter almost every day. And um, I, I, I respect your knowledge. And as a baseball fan, because my, my real job is play-by-play announcer for the Bulls, and we were scheduled to play tonight, but because of COVID with – the Memphis Grizzlies, I'm in the studio. So that's why I wanted to get you on. And I, uh, I, I'm i torn about this Hall of Fame thing. And, and let's forget Schilling for a second. But I'm just talking about the era that we, we had uh, dealing with the Clemens and the Bonds. And if I had a vote, would I vote for them? And a little gremlin on the left shoulder is saying no. And a little gremlin on the right shoulder is saying yes. So I'm, I'm really torn about all this, Bob. You know, you know, a lot of voters are. You know, I'm not, Chuck. I, I vote for Bonds and Clemens every single year. First two guys I mark off on my ballot. Um, Bonds, you can argue, is the greatest hitter since Babe Ruth. Uh, certainly greatest hitter in the last 50, 60 years. Clemens, one of the greatest right-handed pitchers. I know the steroid allegations and everything else. But there was no testing, Chuck. I mean, until 2005, it was a wild, wild west. Everybody, you know, not saying you know, 100% of guys, but – probably half of baseball were doing something. You know, it's almost like, you know, if you're going on the country somewhere, for, you know, you're going to drive 100 miles somewhere, and then you know there's not going to be a, a police officer, police car on the highway, you're not going 55. You're going as fast as you're comfortable with. And that's what guys were doing. I mean, GMs, managers, they wanted those players to take steroids and, and be as good as possible. So my line of demarcation is, you know, if you uh, – tested positive and got suspended from baseball after 05, I'm not voting for you. You hurt your team. You hurt your team badly. The Yankees, you know, were crushed in 2014 with A-Rod missing a full season. You know, Manny got popped twice and was suspended. Uh, Clemens and Bonds, you know, weren't even penalized a nickel. All they did was help their teams win. Same with David Ortiz when he gets in the ballot next year. Well, then how do you, how do you think the BBWAA is going to look at A-Rod? Well, they better look. If you're not voting for Bonds or Clemens, I don't see how in the world you could vote A-Rod in. And this guy got suspended twice. Uh, you know, he talked about using steroids back in, you know, 2000, early 2000s with, with Texas Rangers and kept going on with the biogenesis case. I don't see how you vote for him. If you don't vote for Bonds or Clemens, 
If Andre Clemens, you know, for instance, do not get in the Hall of Fame next year, Alex Rodriguez has zero chance to get in. Hmm. So, uh, Schilling, very polarizing, regardless of political beliefs, and and really, I really don't want to get into that, but it's a storyline regarding Schilling who asked that, you know, he wants, you know, out. He wants off the ballot. And the Baseball Writers Association of America has urged the Hall of Fame to keep him on the ballot. What is your view on Kurt Schilling? And had all this not happened, where he's so outspoken, um, do you think he is a Hall of Fame player? Yeah, I, I do think he's a Hall of Fame player. Uh, I don't think he was, a, he was ever a slam dunk. Hey, he had a great postseason. He only won, what, 215, 216 games. Uh, you know, for instance, I, I thought Jack Morris was much more of a you know, Hall of Fame pitcher, and uh, he wasn't voted in. So, but, you know, hey, I voted for Schilling. Uh, Schilling, very polarizing. Uh, if he was doing this stuff on Twitter and social media when he was a player, I, I would not have voted for him because that would have just you know, ripped apart a clubhouse. Uh, you know, it almost been a clubhouse cancer. But this is like his second, you know, life, a second career. He's got nothing to do with his playing career. So, you know, he will be on the ballot next year. And I can still see people saying, hey, I'm going to vote for this guy. I will be interested to see if he tones it down next year on Twitter and social media or, uh, you know, doubles down on it and keeps going forward. Uh, Before I let you go, two other questions. Number one, very quietly under the radar, although big signings, but the Toronto Blue Jays have made some noise over the last week to 10 days, one recently, obviously. Where do you see Toronto in the East? I, I see them right behind the Yankees. I think a, uh, I thought the Yankees won uh, Toronto too. But, yeah, it wouldn't shock me if the Blue Jays won it. I, I like what they've done. They had all the young guys, and now they're ready to uh, spend some money and win. It's a little bit what reminds you of the White Sox. The White Sox say, okay, let's go for it now. Let's bring in, in, in the Henricks and in, uh, in some players and spend some money. So I like what they've done. I think they're going to get better and better. And uh, it's cool to see baseball back and, you know, doing well in Toronto or it should do well in Toronto because it's such a great city and they get the whole country to themselves. So everybody in Canada is rooting for them. Yeah. You know, when, when the Blue Jays play in Seattle, there are thousands of Blue Jays fans that go to the ballpark. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. So it is a credit. You're right. And is it a country team? So going in then to the 2021 season, if the roster stayed the same as we know them today, who's favorite in each league? Well, I still think the World Series goes through the Dodgers. I know the Padres, same thing. They really come up, but the Dodgers still have all the financial clout and the prospects. So I, I still say it goes to the Dodgers and the National League is a power. In the American League, uh, I think that's much more wide open. Uh, I'll say the I'll say the Yankees, but I would not discount the White Sox or uh, you know maybe even the uh, Oakland A's uh, or, or or the Blue Jays. Uh, you know, if you had to pick a league that have a better chance to win in, I think the American League is. I think the National League is much tougher right now. Well, I, I know I know your your expertise is in baseball, and you're not a scientist, but. Um, what is going on with spring training? Um, and because I, I realized the Cactus League with the Mares and they've recommended the baseball that maybe they kind of pump the brakes on spring training, at least the initial start of it. But where do you think this is all going with spring training and then the possibility of having um, blanket coverage with fans back in the ballparks? 
Well, yeah, I, I live here in the uh, Phoenix area, and uh, I think spring training is definitely happening on time uh, on February 17th. You know, hopefully, you know, the camps won't be getting shut down right and left. It's one thing to have the guys follow protocol, you know, in a uh, 60-game season. Quite another to say, hey, guys, you know, go straight back to your condos and houses uh, at 4 in the afternoon. Don't go to dinner. Don't go to bars when you're Scottsdale, Arizona. I don't think that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So I think there'll be some hiccups in there. We'll, we'll play the season. And, uh, you know, I, th- I think they'll get through it. At least they went through it last year. Uh, I worry about, the, you know, what happens to the fans. You know, places like Arizona, which is open, uh, Florida, I think they'll have uh, you know, Texas fans from the get-go. Uh, California, I'm not sure, you know, whether you're going to have fans. It might be the all-star break. Uh, same same worry I have in Chicago with the White Sox and Cubs. Uh, I don't see fans being allowed there for, for several months. And even when they do, I think it would be very limited. Mm. Well, Bob, listen, we appreciate your time very, very much. I, I appreciate it. Let me, just from a, a personal standpoint, because I, I, I see you on Twitter quite a bit. And uh, like I said, you know, you, you break stories. Do, do you ever put the phone down? Or is this something where you are on the clock 24-7, 365? And, and I ask that because of admiration. Uh, and, and, uh, but tell me about your, a typical day in your world. Yeah, it's a, uh, yeah, I do put the phone down. I put it on silent, you know, at night when I go to bed. <laughs> I don't get woken up by, by things. But, yeah, living in Arizona now, it's mountain time. You know, it seems like the whole world operates at East Coast time. Uh, so it's a, uh, it's one of those things where, you know, getting up at five thirty, six o'clock in the morning and going from there and uh, up until, you know, 10 o'clock or so at, at night. Mm. Well, you do a terrific job. We appreciate your time very, very much. And uh, thank you so much, Bob. Sure, my pleasure. Thank you, Chuck. Yep. Uh, Bob Nightingale, Intercom Sports Insider, uh, with some thoughts. He likes uh, the Dodgers in the National League. He said the American League is wide open, which I agree with. And the White Sox have a legit shot, folks, at winning the American League. And uh, he kind of uh, nixed the idea that Cruz could be on his way to the White Sox, felt that uh, maybe Cruz will stay with Minnesota. How about that one, Chuck? I think that caught me a little off guard because I thought, you know, Nelson Cruz was a realistic option. If you're looking at the White Sox lineup, I think he fits really well. Depends on the money, of course. But, man, he just said no. You know, don't think about it because it's not going to happen. So there you go. Yeah, didn't he say, and again, I I don't want to put words in his mouth, but I guess I am when I say, to paraphrase, he said the White Sox basically are tapped out. Yeah, and he mentioned, you know, financially and and then payroll committing to players this season. Yeah, the the money's up against it. So if that's the case, I can't imagine the White Sox go after a Nelson Cruz. And if they do try to add more, it might be via trade. I don't know how they're going to invest in the free agent market unless they have a plan to allocate some of that money to maybe an affordable back-end starting pitcher. But, yeah, that Nelson Cruz news, that's pretty pretty entertaining from Bob Nightingale right there. Here's the thing. Let's say the White Sox go into the season. Let's say they're favored to win the division by, let's say, four games, five games. If you're Minnesota and you lose Cruz to the White Sox, that's even a wider gap between the two teams. I mean, Cruz still has a very potent bat. How many years he has left, that's inconsequential because the White Sox are really thinking about this year. Really, this is the year. I love that point, Chuck, because you think about it. If we're going between the Twins and the White Sox, the two teams really hounding Nelson Cruz, interdivision rivals, you know? So 
he may have the leverage here because I, I don't know what he's looking for contractually, but if if he's saying, hey, Minnesota, the White Sox are, you know, giving me an offer, what do you got for me? Then that just benefits the player. But you're right. If the Sox were able to manage to take away, you know, Nelson Cruz away from the Twins, that is, <laughs> boy, that's pretty demoralizing. Yep. And, and again, I don't have his stats in front of me, Mike. You probably do. I know you do, but... He has a professional bat. He has bounced around a lot. I get it. He's moved from team to team. But this guy just shows up, brings the lumber, gets the job done, and the end of story. Well, you talk about you think about the lack of success that the White Sox have had trying to fill the DH role over the last decade, really, when you're looking at it, even going back to Adam Dunn, dare I say his name. This is a 39-year-old turning 40 in Nelson Cruz. Uh, with a career on-base plus slugging of 876, uh, over 400 home runs. Mm. So, I mean, it's Mr. Consistency. You think about Nelson Cruz, and it reminds me of guys who continue to hit across the league, like Adrian Beltre, like Miguel Cabrera. I mean, not to the level of Cabrera per se, but you talk about the consistency that he brings in his game. Nelson Cruz is on that level in terms of offensive production. I think he would be a perfect fit for the White Sox in the lineup, but, hey, it's not my money that, you know, they're spending. So, yeah. Well, again, we thank uh, Bob Nightingale in a moment. We're going to talk Bulls basketball. Big story from the Bulls camp today regarding Wendell Carter Jr. Rob Schaefer does a terrific job covering the Bulls for NBC Sports Chicago. He's up next right here. This is Chuck Swirsky on 670 The Score. On one of the days in practice, um, we was playing 5 5 and I did a screen and roll. You know, I was going at a pretty good pace, you know, going rolling hard, you know, because that was one of the emphasis we had in practice. And, um... You know, I was looking back, looking for the ball, and kind of just ran into Nizel's knee. And, you know, as I talked to the trainers and the doctors, they said he just kind of hit me in the perfect spot. And, uh, like, right above my knee, like, it just went knee right into my quad. And um, um, after that, I just, the, the pain was OD. I was on the ground. I thought I did something more than what was told to me. Um, but, yeah, I, I, was, I was on the ground for a while. Listening to Chuck Swirsky on 670 The Score. Yeah, that was the voice of uh, Wendell Carter Jr. in a Zoom call today with reporters. The uh, Bulls back in action Saturday against Damian Lillard and the banged up Portland Trailblazers. And we'll be on the air 645 Central Time right here on 670 The Score in the Bulls Network. Uh, some uh, ball games underway tonight in the NBA. The Pacers on the road up by 10 on Charlotte. Cavaliers at uh, Cleveland with an eight-point lead second quarter over the Pistons, who are 4-13. and 13. Uh, Sacramento 36-29 over Orlando, and the Hawks and Nets just underway. 17 before 7, and joining us, Rob Schaefer of NBC Sports Chicago. Does a great job covering the Bulls. Very analytical, and yet he breaks it down for people like me who can understand it, and that's a great gift. Rob, how you doing? I'm good, Chuck. It's good to be on with you. Um, it's it's those are kind words, and it's been good to see around the UC in the limited time uh, yeah. that we've been able to be in there. So yeah, yeah, that's that's all been good stuff. Yo, Rob, we're gonna we're gonna break down the the Carter injury and what it does and how it affects the Bulls, just not the five spots, so to speak. But I I, I have a a confession to make with you, Rob. So we go on these Zoom calls, ladies and gentlemen, 
And you know, what a Zoom call is with the Bulls, they bring on the head coach, Billy Donovan. Reporters ask questions. Same thing with players. And then Rob, they, they show, you know, the screen of the reporter asking the question. There's Rob. And, Rob, you got the best hair of anybody in Chicago. <laughs> How often do you hear that? How often do people say, Rob, you know, I wish I had your hair? Well, uh, not a ton lately because I, I don't see as many people as I used to. Um, and certainly the, the quarantine period has, has helped with the flow a little bit. Um, not, not much time for haircuts and, and not much willingness to, to venture out um, and get them. I am scheduled for one soon, uh, but, but I do appreciate that. I, 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 hope that. I hope that more people are appreciating it and just not saying anything to me about it because uh, I do not hear that as much as maybe, as maybe I'd like to. No, I'm, I'm, listen, it's great. I, I, I mean, I wish I had that issue. Really, but it is what it is, and we're going to talk hoops. So Wendell again is banged up, and I, and I'll tell you what, Rob, you've been around the team. I've been around the team, not so much this year, obviously, but he's a terrific young man, very respectful, very polite. Was uh, well raised by his parents in the Atlanta area, and you know, high pick number seven overall. A lot of expectations, you know, maybe the second coming of Al Horford, and he's you know the injuries are just killing them and i'm wondering where is all this going yeah and and so unfortunate too and and wendell talked about this a little bit today the three injuries that have really hampered him throughout the first three seasons of his career this will now be the third time in three seasons that he's missed over a month of game action have all been really kind of freak accidents uh, or, or freak incidents um maybe is a better way to put it uh, obviously you have the thumb ligament uh, his rookie year um, last year, you have the, the pretty bad ankle sprain that he, that he suffered in Dallas. And then now this, this collision in practice that just seems like it was kind of a perfect storm of hitting him right in the quad in the right place where it's, where it's a pretty severe bruise that is now going to take a month um, to, to recover and, and evaluate. And, I mean, really adding to the frustrating nature of it was, you know, Chuck, as you said, a, a really, really talented prospect coming out of a premier program in Duke and just hadn't found his footing in terms of a consistent role um, on both ends of the floor, in part because of the injuries in his first two seasons in the NBA. But Billy Donovan, as someone who's coached, you know, your Al Horfords, your Joe Noahs, even your Stephen Adams is in, uh, in Oklahoma City, I think was really, really, I thought was going to be someone that could unlock uh, the untapped potential in Wendell Carter Jr. I think, unfortunately, you saw that starting to come to fruition in the games leading up to the injury. I think in his last seven, uh, before he went down, he was averaging somewhere around 14 and, 14 and 8 with two and a half assists. I thought really becoming more comfortable on the defensive end um, and as a facilitator on the offensive side, uh, it really seemed like it was all starting to come together to him under a coach uh, that, that was really trying to maximize his potential on both ends. And now you get this, it's, it's a really, really unfortunate situation for him. And then obviously, as I'm sure we'll get to unfortunate for the bulls, because that is not, those are not easy shoes to fill, um, especially for such an extended period of time. Correct. Rob Schaefer joining us from NBC sports Chicago. And so now you eliminate for four weeks Maybe a little more, a little less, who knows. But um, so he's out of the mix. And Daniel Gafford for right now is the starting center. Um, We know he's got a live active body, attempts to block maybe every shot within five feet of the rim. Um, That can be good. That can also be bad, I guess. But nonetheless, you want a guy with a high octane motor, and he has that. He has a a great uh, vibe to him, really good enthusiasm. We're going to find out a lot about this kid, are we not? Oh, certainly. Um, And and I do think as much as he seems to be the presumptive starting center right now, it does seem like Billy Donovan is going to um, really really play the game with rotations here and try to to fill gaps based on matchups. I mean, 
even in the three games that uh, that Daniel Gafford has started in, in the games Wendell has missed already, he's only averaged about 15, 16 minutes. Um, so I think you'll see him kind of nominally starting the game and then based on matchups. You know, they, the Bulls, they do, and we can even talk about this too, the reserves have been um, such a revelation this season. They do have uh, some front court depth, even if it's not in the, in the form of a traditional center where, you know, uh, Billy has loved the looks with, with Lowry at center, it seems, early in the season, the matchup problems that that can create. Um, Thad Young has played some small ball five, especially at the end of games, um, and been fantastic, especially because, you know, the switchability that he provides, um, his active hands defensively, and, and he's he's really unlocked a lot of uh, passing and, and scoring ability on the offensive end, too. Um, obviously, Otto Porter Jr. has run a little bit uh, at the power forward slot. Now, there's, there's you know, minutes uh, minutes complications with, with veteran guys like that, that that Billy Donovan has said that he's going to be sensitive to. Um, but it, it really does seem like it's going to be a by-committee approach. Uh, in terms of Daniel Gafford, yeah, we will learn a lot. I think he's someone who, you know, it's hard not to love watching him when he's in that role of that 15 to 20 minute energy guy off the bench spark plug that comes in, um, obviously dunks everything, outrageous catch radius, lob threat, um, like you said, uh, exciting shot blocker. As the starting center, I think it's it's it might reveal kind of the subtle ways that Wendell Carter Jr. has helped this team in terms of his passing, um, his his defensive rotations, his ability to contest shots around the rim. Um, on a consistent basis, and like you said, in a more steady way that isn't as feast or famine. Um, so, you know, we'll see. I think we'll learn a lot. As much as we're going to learn about Daniel Gafford, I think we'll also learn a lot about Billy Donovan and the belief that he has in some of these guys towards the back end of the rotation who steps up, uh, whether we see some, you know, minutes from Cristiano Felicio against bigger teams um, and things along those lines. But it, it's certainly going to be something that's going to test a defensive unit that uh, has not performed up to par probably to this point in the season. Um, so, you know, we'll see how they, how they weather that storm. You just got to hope that they can keep the scoring up at the level that they have uh, before the last two games because that's really what's been keeping them in games. Yeah, it, 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 I'll tell you what, if from a, a fan standpoint, and I hear this from a lot of people on social media, that it's a fun team to watch from an offensive standpoint. They're moving the ball. They're very unselfish. The ball doesn't stick. It moves side to side, and that's very entertaining. Defensively, Rob, what have you seen out of this club other than obviously from one season to another with a new coaching staff, the philosophy has changed. Uh, but from an X's and O standpoint, what are some of the breakdowns this team is facing on a nightly basis? Other sure. than turnovers, well, they, they, which yeah. are on the offensive side. Well, but that that strains your defense too, right? And I defense. Mean, we've seen, yep. Yeah, we've seen we've seen teams be able to get on the break on the Bulls off of turnovers. We've seen you know, games like the Celtics game where, you know, the Celtics score 35 points off turnovers. It's just, it's just hard to win that way. Um, and it's hard when you, when your defense always seems to kind of be on its back foot. So I, th- I think that's a quality um, that, that's contributed to it. They've also adapted their, their pick and roll defenses this year from, um, from what was a pretty aggressive scheme under, under Jim Boylan last year um, where, they, where they trapped a lot of pick and roll plays, basically just double teaming ball handlers uh, out of that action. Um, to now, I mean, they, they mix up coverages throughout games. It, it's all matchup based. They're not playing one coverage the whole time, but it's predominantly been a more conservative kind of let the big, instead of coming up to meet the ball handler, um, drop a little bit further back into the paint. It's called a drop coverage um, that typically, you, you know, you're giving up, you know, pull up jumpers. Um, that's, that's kind of the shot that you're, that you're uh, conceding. Uh, but ideally you'd like to, you know, protect the rim a little bit better. Um, in a defense like that. And that, that's what I meant when I, when I said that Wendell, I thought was adjusting. Well, he's never really played a defensive scheme um, that was designed that way. And there were some growing pains at first. Um, I thought, you know, just from reading the game from, from his perspective. 
I thought he was coming around in that department. Um, you know, the guard at the guard position, I think, you know, Billy Donovan has talked a lot about, um, you know, physicality, fighting over screens, getting into opposing ball handlers being, being a problem area. Um, so, you know, it's again, just like filling the center spot has got to be by committee. I think the defensive effort and plugging those holes uh, has to be by committee too. Um, because again, you know, as much as the offensive improvements have made this team maybe a little bit more aesthetically pleasing to watch, um, and they do have a better record at this point this year than they did last year. Um, that defensive side of the ball, if, if you're giving up, you know, 115 to 120 points a night, it's just going to be really hard on a consistent basis uh, to score at that level. It just introduces a lot more, uh, a lot more variance into the results you're going to get. So I, I know, I know Billy Donovan would like to see that that area of the floor, or that end of the floor um, improve drastically as as we you know get into the next part of the season here. Okay. So final question, Rob, as a reporter for NBC Sports Chicago, um, who covers a team, and this team, the Bulls. How has it been for you covering a club in this COVID world with Zoom calls? Yeah, I mean, well, it's been something. I, you know, you you, you, you kind of put on a collared shirt up top and you can keep your sweatpants on underneath. So that's that's maybe a little bit of a, uh, uh, of a convenience to it. Um, but in all seriousness, I mean, it, it's been different, right? It's been different. Um, not being around the arena, being around the Advocate Center every day, um, you know, shaking hands, obviously talking to people, just having little side um, conversations. That's something that, that has pretty drastically changed. Um, we have been able to get into the arena in a limited capacity um, when the Bulls are home, um, sitting obviously a little bit further up, uh, but everything's obviously still on Zoom uh, from there. So, you know, it's, it's been nice to get that, um, get that little slice of, of normalcy back, but you know, without fans, it's just as much as I think the Bulls do a great job of trying to recreate the atmosphere with um, uh, with from the PA announcing to, to in-game music and, and little things like that. Uh, it's just not the same energy without fans there. That's something that's that's certainly missing. Um, and then over Zoom, it's just it, it's it's a little bit more impersonal to not be able to talk to these guys and ask questions and follow up and kind of read body language. It's all just a little bit different virtually um, than when you're standing next to somebody and looking them in the eye and and, uh, you know, things along those lines. So, you know, it, it's been an adjustment. Everyone's dealing with it. Um, and, you know, it's something that we're just kind of, you know, everyone's in the same boat getting through it together. Um, it's been different. Uh, I still, you know, I'm never going to complain about my job. I think I'm the luckiest guy in the world, as I'm sure you do too. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's pretty much where I stand on, and it's been an adjustment. But as we get settled in, um, you know, starting to, find, starting to find the ways to make it work. Yeah. You know, we do home and road, obviously, home games at the United Center, road games at the United Center. No local TV radio teams travel. And, Rob, I have to tell you, I I hope one day you're able to, I don't know what zone you're in, but we're we're downstairs for road games. And our engineer, Rich Wyatt, has put together, it it almost looks like you're in the Pentagon (laughs) because we've got screens and monitors. It's amazing. I mean, but nothing beats being at the arena. So talking to players, talking to media, talking to coaches, talking to assistant coaches, talking just to basketball. And it, it's it, to, be, to be detached from everything has been very, very difficult. But again, you know, having said this, you do the best you can, and that's all that we can do, period. Absolutely. Um, I, I feel the same way. And and, you know, we just hope that if we can stick together through this, um, we come out the other side um, and uh, we can get back to normal, hopefully sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. Rob, thank you very much. I appreciate your time. Great to talk to you, Chuck. Thanks for having me.
Rob Schaefer of NBC Sports Chicago. Uh, it is 655 right here in the great, and I mean great, city of Chicago. We're on the air tonight until 9 o'clock. Mike Rankin doing a terrific job putting our program together. Again, I'm filling in because we don't have a ball game tonight, folks. No. We should be playing the Memphis Grizzlies uh, and Ja Morant. I love watching Ja Morant. And uh, it also would have been great. My son is the uh, head video coordinator of the Memphis Grizzlies. But in COVID, I wouldn't be able to see him anyway. So (laughs) whatever. Anyway, so we're going to take a break right here on 670 The Score. In just a few moments, one of my favorite people in Chicago, Jeff Joniak, the voice of the Chicago Bears, coming up next right here on 670 The Score. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.